Hey everyone, welcome to Craven Craven episode 12, the podcast devoted exclusively to the films of Wes Craven. I am one of your co-hosts, Patrick Romley, joined as always by my co-host, Heather Wixen. Hi, Heather. Hello. Are you ready? Are you ready to be no more Mr. Nice Guy? I'm ready for Shocker. I'm ready for Pinker the Stinker. <laughs> he is a little stinker. Dirty. He's a little, he stinker, a little stinker, that Horace Pinker. <laughs> Jumping through that the TVs. <laughs> By the way, I, we should probably worry people that we're both really tired while we're doing this episode. So who knows? Who knows how serious this discussion is? Well, get, we're talking about gonna... shocker. How serious can that's we get? That's true. That uh, is true. Yeah, that's right. We are up to 1989 and Wes Craven's Shocker, uh, the movie that he made to sort of recoup some of his Nightmare on Elm Street money that he got shut out of uh, from New Line. He decided to go to Universal and try to have a new franchise there and spin something new out of spin some new gold i i i I started that sentence knowing where it was going and then halfway through i realized yeah 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 um the stinker got into your brain and he stole it and ran (laughs) off my body is being (laughs) controlled by that stinker (laughs) we need to make a pinker the stinker shirt so i will i will have our our crack design team get on that those of you who do not yet own a directed by abe snake shirt what are you waiting for uh go to the show notes of this episode because you can find a link to buy your very own directed by abe snake shirt if you don't even know what that means because you haven't been listening to this podcast since the beginning abe snake is the pseudonym that wes craven used when he directed the fireworks woman his adult movie Yes, um, makes great Christmas gifts, kids. Absolutely. And also, and I also think the two, uh, because it's on uh, Redbubble, that you could turn it into anything you want. You could turn it into a comforter. Yeah. You could turn it into a shower curtain if you want. A face mask. Directed by anything. Ape Snake, water bottle. <laughs> right. Nothing. Nothing says Christmas like getting your very own Ape Snake water bottle. You don't even have to put water in there. You could put any beverage you want. You sure can. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here is the uh, one-sentence plot synopsis for Shocker from IMDb. After being sent to the electric chair, a serial killer uses electricity to come back from the dead and carry out his vengeance on the football player who turned him into the police. All right. Uh, Shocker, of course, stars Peter Berg, Michael Murphy... Uh, Camille Cooper. According to IMDb, John Tesh is right up there. John Tesh's second build. (laughs) Uh, is I always say his name wrong because I say it as Mitch Pileggi, but is it Pileggi? I believe it's Pileggi. Okay. As as an X Files fan, I feel like because I saw him, he was at the X Files uh, fan convention in the nineties. And that was how he was introduced on stage. So I've okay. always gone with that. All right. But if we are wrong, uh, Mitch, please feel free to reach out and let us know. And by reach out, I mean, like, let me just go ahead and interview you too while we're at it. I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there because I'm sure Mitch is a big fan of the show. Of course he is. He wears his very own Directed by Ape Snake t-shirt and he drinks out of his Directed by Ape Snake water bottle. Yes, and pretty soon he's going to own a, a, a Pinker the Stinker uh, face mask. Sure. <laughs> I'll tell you what. That guy is a stinker. Yes. You know what's funny? So, I mean, it's it's obvious. I mean, it's it's not even subtle that we're just basically trying to riff on this concept of Freddy, a new boogeyman, a Freddy Krueger, if you will. Um, I have a whole list of different ways that the movies are pretty much the same thing, just little tweaks here and there. But what I remember is I didn't see Shocker in theaters. We rented it um, for a sleepover. And I remember it scared the crap out of me. And it was that is fascinating really... to me because this is the least scary movie ever made. I don't know what it, I mean, it kind of is, but like, I don't know what it was. And then I remember like that night at the sleepover, they made me sleep next to the goddamn TV. Oh, and I just laid there the whole night staring at the TV, waiting for Horace Pinker, the stinker to come <laughs> out and get me. That's how he gets and when... in and out of stuff. Yeah, and then the worst part was is that my friend's dad knew that I was freaked out, 
So he, every once in a while, would be down the hallway and would use the remote control to turn the TV on. Not cool. Out of nowhere. That's not cool. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of funny that I was like, I, I mean, I, I, it's, I love this movie, Warts and All. It's so ridiculous. I love body swapping horror. So whatever. It's probably one of the reasons that I'm a big defender of the giant massive turd that is Jason Goes to Hell. I like um, Jason I Goes just, to Hell. I do too. I mean, it's it's not a great movie. It's no. so much better than Manhattan, though. Yes. Um, but at the same time, like I I can I understand that there's elements in that movie that are awful, but also there's some really good elements in that movie too. Um, so I think for me, I love because I love body swapping horror so much. I think that's why Shocker really works for me um, because some of these sequences are really great. Because like the one thing about like Freddy Krueger is like you kind of know where he's gonna show up. He's going to show up when you're asleep. And maybe if you're watching the first Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy's going to pull him out of her dreams. But like here, Horace can be anybody. He can be like a foul-mouthed little girl driving a bulldozer, which is by far my favorite sequence in the whole movie. <laughs> um, I love that little girl so much. She's she's fantastic. Um, yeah, I it's, it's such a weird movie, um, but I still love it. Even though I don't even love Peter Berg in it, um, He's kind of like the least interesting part for me, but I still adore Shocker. I can't explain it. It's the power of Pelleggi. I am entertained by Shocker. Um, I could watch it anytime. Well, that's not even true because this movie is long. It's almost two hours. And I would say it feels almost twice as long as that because it has no structure. It has no shape. It is the weirdest. If you were to sit down and like break down the beats or the acts of this movie, there's got to be at least eight different acts to this movie. It is reinventing itself roughly every 15 minutes, which is a plus and a minus. I recognize like it doesn't follow conventional movie rules. Um, so part of me is like getting restless because I can't tell where I am in the narrative because it keeps turning into something new every couple of minutes. And then part of me is like, well, this movie keeps finding ways to surprise me. So that's good. So I'm totally entertained by it. I don't know how good it is. I think it's kind of a deadly friend situation where it's like, this is really fun. This is silly. Uh, but it's not, if it was, and if it was directed by anyone else, it's like Wes Craven's name being on it is both a blessing and a curse because it being a Wes Craven movie, you, you hold it up to a higher standard. And we've talked about this on past episodes where you watch it and you're like, well, this isn't as good as some of the movies that he's made, which are masterpieces. So therefore, uh, it's kind of a bad Wes Craven movie. But if anybody else's name was on it, you'd be like, this is really fun. This is really good. And Scream Factory would still be putting it out and we'd all be talking about it as this lost gem of the 80s. So the the Wes Craven name attached to it is kind of uh, a positive and a negative. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, again, as I mentioned, I mean, it, it pretty much is a you know, sort of reinvention of Nightmare, which doesn't really help it in a lot of ways. Because if you are a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan, like you're going to you're going to see all of those carryovers yes. here immediately like if you're a casual thing you may not pick up on a lot of it but like if you're a, a genuine like a you know a diehard horror fan like you're gonna see all of that um I, but i think for me what what makes it work is the the last act which might be like the last three acts for you <laughs> <laughs> all the but tv stuff like, you're talking about right yeah all the yeah. tv stuff is yeah. it's like super duper fun because you we really weren't seeing a whole lot of it because i think that was this was was this before stay tuned this was before stay tuned yes okay so it was it was kind of something i really hadn't seen before um and again it, it's like and again i know it's you know west trying to create a new horror icon but for me i always just kind of felt like it was like him sort of tongue-in-cheekily commenting on how obsessive our culture has become with media because of just how sort of, like, basically Horace has to get his powers through a TV, which is interesting. And also, what in what prison, when you are on death row and you're about to go to the electric <laughs> chair... Do they not only give you a TV, but jumper cables, right. Black Sabbath candles... He had to have chalk to draw that little pentagram on the ground. Like there was a, some pretty big issues with the uh, higher ups in that prison. 
And they were not uh, none of that really means anything. Like, it's sort of there to explain, uh, well, this is, he casts some weird black magic spell and that's how he's able to come back and transform himself into electricity and stuff. But like, would any of us question it if that wasn't there? Oh, no, not at all. Probably not, but it makes for a fun sequence and it's weird. And then he bites the guy's lip that was like, like humorously oversized <laughs> pulled pulled away where it almost looks like it's like like a garbage pail kid face or something it's it's really hard to explain and it's almost like the one gory moment in the movie which is fascinating because i read on the old imdb that this movie had to go back i think to the mpa 13 times before they would get an r rating because they kept getting slapped with an x now i know this is the end of the 80s and this is when the mpaa is really cracking down on horror movies because even the latter friday the 13th are completely neutered uh you know jason the new blood is sort of famously cut up and jason takes manhattan is almost completely without gore um so I know that like they had a great deal of opposition that they were working against in terms of the ratings, but like I can't imagine what they cut out because what's left is almost nothing. I mean, I would imagine Allison's death scene was probably a lot gnarlier only because of the aftermath of that. Yeah. Because when he walks into that bathroom, it is a horror show. Yeah. Like it is, Not to be confused with a... The Horror Show, another movie where a serial killer <laughs> is murdered in the electric chair and then comes back. Ooh, look at me making connections I wasn't even realizing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because like when, she, when he walks in there, it's like that the bathtub is like filled with like the murkiest, bloodiest water. Because usually when like people are like bloody in a bathtub, it's like kind of a light red. And that is like, like deep crimson and like, ed like that the walls are just like coated in smears and stuff like that. So I'm guessing that was probably a little more gruesome. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there, there are some sort of gnarly part moments of it. Cause there's the, um, the coach. Um, oh my goodness. I'm Pac-Man. Um, talking about Pac-Man. Yes, I believe so. Hold on a second. I have my notes here. I'm looking in my notes. Um, yeah, Coach Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, his, when he stabs himself, like, that's kind of a little bit gnarly, um, but not super grotesque or anything like that. I mean, I'm guessing it was sort of the implication of violence in it, because even, like, you know, when little Bobby is killed, like, you just kind of see his mangled fingers in, like, a pool of blood. But that's not, you don't really stick around with that you know so i guess it's like sort of the implication of violence that maybe was a little much for them then yeah you you just reminded me of the this movie's first kind of miscalculation as far as i'm concerned i i really i'm not trying to offer like a laundry list of stuff that this movie does wrong but it's so messy in such weird it's a total mess in such weird and interesting ways um the fact that his family is essentially murdered off screen before we've ever had a chance to meet them is so strange to me. Why not offer like one or two scenes of him with his family before killing them off so that we have some connection to them. So we even know who they are in relation to him, because if they didn't explicitly say, you know, it's your foster mom, which they're constantly reminding him of, by the way, that these are his foster parents. Yeah. You're like, I wonder how this is going to come into play. Hmm? And then that revelation is made at like the 40 minute mark. Like, no, you save that for the end. What are we doing? This movie's clock is so bizarre in terms of when things happen. Uh, Anyway, I just I thought it was a very strange decision the way that they kill off his family at the beginning of the movie without ever seeing him interact with them. Um the whole you know first 30 minutes of this movie is is from a different movie it's all you know the hunt for a serial killer and everything before they actually catch pinker that stinker is is its own movie yeah oh by the way not to to correct you or anything but pac-man was actually ted raimi's character i swear i know that's what it says on imdb but i swear they kept calling cooper pac-man i i could be wrong i don't 
I could be wrong. I thought I mean, in the yeah. movie, I thought they were calling him Coach Pac-Man Cooper. But you're right. No, On IMDb, it's, it's... they're calling Ted Raimi. So maybe maybe at the funeral, I just misheard, and they were talking about Coach Cooper and Pac-Man. Well, everything is so so clear and you know coherent. <laughs> I you know I, I can't imagine you could do that. Actually, it's funny because like I remember when I saw this, and then very shortly after, like was like the first time I saw Heather's, and I swear to God, I thought uh, Cammy Cooper was one of the Heather's for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> she has that very similar look to her right um but yeah I, it's, it's weird because like it's it's not like top five craven for me but i still there's something really weirdly fascinating about it where like i will watch it pretty often for some reason okay. i mean it's not like it's it's not up there with like how much i rewatch the nightmare movies or the screams or whatever but like you know if if i'm looking just to sort of you know roll around in garbage <laughs> a little bit like if i'm like a dog and i'm like oh, this if, good. I'm, if i'm looking to roll around in garbage <laughs> i'll watch you know shocker I mean. yeah i just there's just something weirdly fascinating about it and i remember um the first time that mitch shows up in x-files i because i i used to watch x-files over at a friend's house and i literally like genuinely did a spit take the first time that they showed Skinner, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "That's Horace Pinker," and it was it just like blew my mind. Um, and I was like, "Oh, you can't trust him." And then <laughs> sometimes you can trust him, and sometimes you can't trust him. So Skinner, that stinker. Um, uh... Yeah, it's it, it's you know it's it's not what I would say one of Craven's more artistic -y movies. I mean, I would argue that the fireworks woman is, is a little more, uh, artistically approached. In, in a yeah. Way. Yeah. Shocker. You know what I mean? Like he's, it has he's, a little more of a flair to it. He's clearly having fun with shocker. And so I appreciate that because it's fun to watch Wes Craven cut loose and just have a good time. And he doesn't get to do that that often on screen. Um, he does it here, and then I think he does it again, I would argue, much more successfully with The People Under the Stairs, his next movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's not a movie that's lacking in ideas. It's just, It almost has too many ideas. Too he many wants, ideas, He wants to yeah. do too many different things. And the whole time I was watching it today, I was, like, going crazy because I was thinking, this movie has no rules. There are no rules to how anything works, anything goes at any given moment. And then I was reading through some of the reviews from the time of its release, and that seemed to be a popular criticism of the film, is that there are no rules <laughs> to anything. I was like, well, I guess you can throw me in with that lot, because that was part of what was frustrating to me, just like Horace Pinker is sometimes traveling bodies, and sometimes he's traveling through the TV, and sometimes he's electric, and sometimes he's not, and... Allison comes back and she's a ghost and then sometimes she has ghost powers and then the heart charm necklace is also magical. It's it's there's so many things going on in this movie and there's no structure to any of it. You know, the the one of the beautiful things about Nightmare on Elm Street is how clean it was. It's like you fall asleep, he gets you in your dreams. The end. Yeah. And shocker it, it, is that not pretty... that. Yeah, like those are pretty simple rules. Yes, and you know, and, and arguably, as the Nightmare franchise goes on, they play with those the, those very simple rules. Well, by the next movie, he's coming out into the real world. Yeah, busting through. You know, actually, it's funny because I was watching Nightmare Two on Sci-Fi today. Nice. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like sometimes Sci-Fi edits movies, and then sometimes they don't. So uh, it's really strange because like we were watching one of the child's play movies and they're dropping F-bombs. And then today it was like, they're bleeping out the word shit. And I was just like, okay, what's, what is going on here? Yeah, um, that's weird. But, but for me, I think what's interesting is I, I almost feel like in a way, even though I know this was Wes doing something that he wanted to set him apart from what he was known for in nightmare. In a lot of ways, I feel like this is like a shared universe because it's also set in Ohio. So I'm curious to where Springwood is versus where Maryville is. Yeah. Um, and I also, I just don't understand why Wes can't understand. You cannot shoot in the mountainous areas of California where you can see palm trees in the distance. 
and think you're going to think that's Ohio. It didn't work. It's like you get it, you know, you saw it in Nightmare on Elm Street. You see it in this one and you're like, I don't understand. Like, there's any other, like, yeah. do something to just not just shoot lower or something. Um, but even like the football sequences where like you could just see palm trees in the distance and you're like, this is not Ohio. <laughs> I, I always forget that Nightmare is set in Ohio because it's so clearly California. Yeah, it's it was. I mean, because that one they even forgot to change plates out on the on the cars. <laughs> so, which always like, because to me, I was always like a, a nut for those kind of details, and I used to do that a lot with like the Halloween movies because I was obsessed with them because they took place in Illinois. Right. So I became like Jay and Silent Bob about like Shermer, Illinois. Like that's <laughs> how I was about Haddonfield when I was growing up. So I was always looking for those little details. Be like, are you how? Like, are you really, really paying attention to Illinois? Which is why I always get mad at the map at the the uh, bus station. I think it is in six because their map is way off. Oh, because they have they they have like Elgin next to like Joliet or something like that. Sure, like in a like in a five minute sort of way. And I'm like, no, that's not how this works. Um, you could just look at a map and you could kind of figure it out. Um, well, they have a cult of yeah. thorn map. They, oh, that's true. So again, no rules there. Terrible um, map makers yeah, in the cult of thorn. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, when you look at this, like, even the way the movie opens, it's like a Nightmare on Elm Street because you have Horace yes. working in his little workshop with all right. the CDs, which is essentially Freddy like, making his finger gloves or his knife gloves, uh, knife glove one, um, in original Nightmare. You basically, like, have people talk about how they can't really sleep because of what's going on with the serial killer, which isn't quite the same, but sleep is getting affected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you basically have... Um, kind of a nightmare uh, sequence. You have a, 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 a cop dad right. who is Lieutenant Donald Parker. So it's not Thompson, but it's Donald, where I was like, you couldn't think of another name? <laughs> <laughs> and I say this lovingly, but like, there's a billion names. You could have named him Jim Thompson. <laughs> um, you know, you have him like basically tag teaming with people when he goes into his dreams and having people watch uh, him to make sure, like, nothing happens and right. wake him up if something looks weird. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many beats of this movie that are just, like, basically, like, a brand new Nightmare on Elm Street in a lot of ways. And I think, to, in, in, in a way, like, I mean, it is a messy movie, as you know, in other ways, but I think that that kind of works to its detriment amongst horror fans because it's like, why? Like, you're Wes Craven. You didn't really have to do that. Like, you know, there's maybe the opening should have been him at Jonathan's family's house or just Jonathan leaving his family's house. But I guess he's in college, so he doesn't live at home anymore. So, yeah, it's it's strange. Like, I I wish Wes was here because I wish I could, you know, ask him, like, what on earth was the creative process behind this? And I've never, and I don't think I've ever said this, and I don't know that I'll even really say this again about any other movie. Well, maybe one. But I really feel like this is a script that should have been polished by an outside party. Sure. You know, and I don't say that very often. No, because, so. you know, we, A, Wes Craven is a really good writer, or at least a really interesting writer. Um, and B. I just feel like he's better than just recycling his best ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, if I'm going to watch a Wes Craven movie, I'd probably rather have, like, hundred percent pure unfettered Wes Craven than him interpreting someone else's script. But then, you know, look how well that worked on scream. So it's not like he can't do it. Um, but even like the names, like I just mentioned, like the Lieutenant Donald Parker, which like, and then also like Parker and Pinker are so close. Like the (laughs) the family that adopts you is like, like a couple letters off from your actual real last name. And then also we mentioned coach Cooper, which his first name is Sydney. And then in the original Scream, you have Sidney Prescott right. and C.C. Cooper. Oh, my gosh. Or no, that was Scream 2. Sorry. Um, so it's like, it's so strange to me. But, like, you know, was he creating, like, was he trying to create these through lines? Or was it just like, eh, here's a name. And I forgot that I used it. Oops, so well. <laughs> like, I want to believe in a shared universe, a, a Cravenverse, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, the optimist in me believes in that. But the realist in me is just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we got a little, we got a little messy here. All right. 
It always annoys me when, uh, like, Tarantino reuses a lot of the same names, and then he'll do interviews where he's like, "Oh yeah, these two are related," and I'm just like, "I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want." These, yeah, these like movies the are not movie, connected. Like, because like, it was what, like, uh, Vincent Vega and uh, what's his face, right? Michael Madsen, yeah. Yeah, Bud. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not Bud. I think it was Mister no. Blonde, wasn't it? Oh yes, that's what it was. Sorry, yeah, sorry. I actually just rewatched Reservoir Dogs for like the first time in probably fifteen years. It's pretty good. It is. I was kind of surprised. I wrote my. I remember for my my cinema class in high school, I wrote my big project on Reservoir Dogs. Uh, don't say that because I'm about to get all of my students' big projects, and they're all going to write about Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> of course they are. How, how many of you do you think I, you're going to mention feet? I don't want... I hope some of them do, because at least it'll be different. At least uh, the paper will come alive for a minute, uh, because <laughs> uh, otherwise it's just 20 papers about Quentin Tarantino, and I'll get like two on Michael Bay from people that only watch the Transformers movies. Mm. But at least those will be different. They might have something interesting to say. Mm, so, you know, sure. Michael Bay takes on consumerism and blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, <laughs> that's probably not even a thing. I'm just making it all up. Um, but yeah, I was doing it in the nineties. So I was doing it before. Oh, was, for like, sure. Yeah. 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 Passe. Right. So no, it definitely. was funny. Cause actually I remember, um, this girl that sat next to you in my class, this is such an aside, but I remember, um, because she knew I was like really good at writing and stuff like that. And she was really nervous on her paper. Cause it was worse, like a big chunk of our grade for the, the fourth quarter. And she asked if I could read her paper. And it was because I read her paper was the reason I discovered the movie Friday. Oh. Yeah. And I, you know, I just was reading her paper just to help her out and like, you know, clean up a little, some grammar stuff here and there. And I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. And that was how I discovered the movie Friday. Well, that's good. You would have discovered it eventually yeah. because it's issued with oh, every, yeah. with every legalized weed card. <laughs> I've never even had a legalized weed card. Oh, so. well, what the hell? You're in California. You yeah. got to get one of those. I know. Well, you don't even need them anymore. Um, but no, I mean, once you live in California, it's, it's like a state law or something that you have to love They that just movie. pass um, out copies of Friday when you move to L.A.? With a big blunt. Yeah. Like, here you go. <laughs> and I was like, sweet. Um, don't listen to this, Mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or you, Mitch Pileggi. Yeah, Friday's one of our favorite Friday night movies to watch and play Scrabble, too, because it's just, it's so perfect. It's yeah. so good. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's so... Going back to Shocker, um, I will say, look, Peter Berg's not the most compelling guy. <laughs> no, he's not. He's he's certainly not what I would say the most compelling director out there either. Um, he was kind of interesting in the beginning, I thought, and then now he makes these kind of jingoistic action movies with Mark Wahlberg, and I just don't oh. don't need it in my life. But he. Made a couple interesting movies early on. But yeah, as an actor, you know, I think he could be well suited to certain parts. I don't know if you've ever seen The Last Seduction. He's really great in that because he's playing like a fucking dope. And in this movie, I don't think he's supposed to be a dope. And yet, if you look at how he's introduced, I mean, he's just falling all over the football field and is treated like a clown. And then we're supposed to take yeah. him seriously for the rest of the movie. The movie has a very <laughs> weird um, approach to comedy. Yeah. And but it tone, has some yeah. Really fantastic one one liners though. Well, sure, yeah. Uh, what's the uh, take a ride in I, I, my Volkswagen? Like, who wrote that, yes. Wes Craven? That's the worst shit I've ever heard. This is this is the other one that we really need to make into a T-shirt. Is this Barkalounder is going to kick your ass, boy? Oh my god! Because that is poetry. <laughs> that is poetry, Patrick. Um, of course, finger licking good is great as well. Yeah, sure. Like how how could you? I mean, come on, you had to laugh a little bit. I did not. Uh, I don't find. Look, I know Killjoy is a is is a movie franchise through full moon, but you don't have to be a Killjoy. <laughs> um. <laughs> I there's sort of a connection between Charles Band and this movie. Did you know that? I didn't, but I figured if there was, you'd know it. <laughs> the connection is I'm a killjoy. Um no, the connection is <laughs> I learned this by listening to the Blank Check podcast. Um Charles Band talked 
kind of convinced John Carpenter to take a deal with Alive Pictures um, to make a four-movie deal where he would basically get $3 million to make anything he wanted uh, and have complete creative control. And the deal fell apart after two movies. He made Prince of Darkness and he made They Live and the deal fell apart. But the deal got picked up by Wes Craven for Shocker and People Under the Stairs. So the last two movies of that four-movie deal were made by Wes Craven. Uh, and that deal was sort of inspired by Charles Band, who had been having success by, you know, keep your budgets low and release stuff straight to video and you'll turn a profit. Uh, so that's how Charles Band influenced Shocker. Interesting. You know what I thought was real, kind of fascinating, and it was something I never picked up on before um, when I was watching this. Is there's a point in the movie where Horace Pinker is singing Time is on My Side. Yes. And then I was like, holy crap. Like, that's like the song that pretty much drives fall, uh, Fallen. Which is another body another switch body movie. Another body swapping Right? Yeah. So do you think like they like they were like we're gonna make the good Horace Pinker movie? Well, let's let's talk about Horace Pinker because I don't find him to be a compelling villain. I mean, he's obviously set up as being sort of a new icon of horror, but what is it that's supposed to be compelling about him? Because again, Freddy Krueger has the scarred face. He's got the amazing razor glove. And he's got the whole hook of he gets you while you're asleep. Done. I mean, yeah. that that's a horror icon right there. Horace Pinker is like, he wears prison orange. He has scars on his head, a shitty sense of humor. And he can... He makes a lot of dad jokes. He can jump from... He's, 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 he's a... And he can go from, from TV to TV and show to show. He's, this is the ultimate Father's Day movie, really. <laughs> if you think about it. This is, you want to talk Father's Day horror, it is, it is shocker. Okay, I think it's, it's a story of fathers and sons. It I is, mean, it is. Even Car- Wes Craven's son is in this movie. He and, is. You know, so is his daughter. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's full circle. Um, but yeah, I, I totally get it because nothing about him even really feels iconic. It's interesting because I, I'm in this design class right now. And, um, so we had to like study like different, like patterns of color and things like that. And so we have to do like these exercises every week. And one of them was like, you know, you have to do like sort of this juxtaposition of colors. Well, and you have to like, look at the color wheel. And if like, where, you know, blue goes to yellow, you know, and you have to kind of see where things match up. Well, of course for me, immediately in my head, I was like, well, red and green because Freddy Krueger. Right. And so I actually, I actually created a Freddy Krueger image for my project, which my teacher uh, thought was very clever. Um, he knows I do horror stuff. So he was like, Oh, I was the Halloween season. I appreciate it. I was like, yeah, you better. (laughs) Um, but so it's, it's, so you don't even have, and that's the thing like people don't realize is like in a way Wes was tricking your eye to always be watching Freddy. Like, and I don't think people realize that like other, like, yeah, it's his face is cool. And you know, he's, a compelling character but visually you're going to be watching freddy anyway because of the color pattern right and people i don't think understood the psychology of that um until west really started talking about it like later on um and with you know horace he's you know it's orange like okay so you're a big orange (laughs) (laughs) you know and like you don't even have like really interesting scars on your head from being electrocuted it's just kind of like messy um so, yeah, I, I think for me, because, like, I don't know, I make a lot of lame jokes. I, so I think I'm okay with a, a lame joke type of killer. Um, you know, I mean, he's kind of like, he's he's just a really, he he's better than your average serial killer in, like, the early 80s movies that just kind of came and went. Not really the franchisey guys, but, you know, kind of like a slumber party massacre kind of guy. Like, he's better than Russ Thorne in that regard, because <laughs> at least he's got something going on. Um, although I will say the new Russ Thorne in the new movie is very interesting. Is he? I think it's a lot of fun. All right. Oh yeah. Um, I could never have told so you that yeah. his name was Russ Thorne, by the way. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I guess cause I've watched Slumber Party Massacre a lot. Maybe. I guess I don't. <laughs> I didn't even realize he had a name. Guess you have to start catching up. Patrick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like, it, and that's the thing. It's like Freddie works. Because Wes is really creating a character that works on a lot of different levels, where 
Horus is just a character that's a character. Like, there's visually, there's not a lot there. Um, if you're not into lame dad jokes, you're probably not going to enjoy his quips. I love them. I know they're not for everybody. Um, Do you think that was his way of proving to Peter Berg that he's his dad? I I think so. Would I maybe, would I make these sort of jokes if I wasn't your dad, son? Right. Would right? I say Volkswagen if I wasn't trying to connect with you? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Via electricity, if you will. Um, yeah, I. It's you know, look, it's it's got a lot of rough spots. Um, it's it's never going to be amongst one, one of Craven's best, but like, it just has these like this sort of rough punk rocky kind of attitude, and I think the soundtrack helps in that regard too. Um, where it's 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 kind of a movie you can sort of put on when you have a bunch of people over and have a good chuckle, but if you miss twenty minutes, you're not really missing a whole lot. Well, you'll, still you'll like miss at least three movies. Late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least five acts there, um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those like it was probably one of the first soundtracks that I had that had like real like rock on it. Do you know what I mean? What's your favorite song on the soundtrack? I mean, I don't even, I, I mean, I guess I'd have to go with Megadeth, Snowman, Mr. Nice Guy, just because uh, my friend's dad grew up listening to Alice Cooper a lot. So I just thought it was kind of an interesting thing, um, sort of an interesting take on it. Um, I, I also sort of, in, I, I enjoy the Shocker song. Like, it's, it well, gets to the course. point. It's by a super group called the Dudes of Wrath. Oh, I forgot that that was the super group song. Dudes of Wrath. Yes, which of course I'm sure because of some of the people involved probably makes you very happy. Well, of course it does. Because <laughs> you was that that was that wasn't Gene that was Paul, right? That was Paul Stanley. Yeah. All right, sorry, I'm switching over to the. He uh, also wrote. Uh, he wrote. He and Bruce Kulick wrote "Sword and Stone," which is performed over the end credits by a band called Bonfire. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, like, I didn't know anything about the bands, really. Like, I kind of knew who Megadeth was, only because of having, like, sort of a slight familiarity with who Metallica was at that point. Sure. But I wasn't, like, super into them, because I was only, like, 11. Um, I mean, I was cool when it came to music at 11, but I wasn't that cool. Right. Um, You know, so it, it was sort of my introduction to, like, a little bit of music with, like, a harder edge to it. So I kind of felt like a badass when I'd listen to that soundtrack. I I like the soundtrack, I think, more than I like the movie. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I can't fault you. I really can't. Because, like, I get it. But, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who revels in, you know, garbage, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Am I a bad critic, Patrick? Is that what I'm saying? No, not at all, because you're honest about what you like, and that is a good quality to have. And I am coming off like a hater of Shocker, and I'm not. I can easily watch Shocker and have a good time with it, as you said, like, especially probably with a group of people. I just find it frustrating, given who wrote and directed it, that it is oh, as messy as it is. Like it would, it would hurt my heart if somebody out there only ever watched one Wes Craven movie and this was the <laughs> one, was and they thought this was the all encompassment of what Wes Craven was because it's not. I mean, it's like it, it's a party movie. You know what I mean? Like right. it's it's goofy. It's it's got a weird sense of you know humor to it. It totally it is all over the place and. You know, as you said, it. I was actually, I didn't remember it being almost two hours. When I was watching it last night, I was like, oh, we're still going. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's endless. I was endless. fine with the ride. It's endless. I, was, it's, I, could, I could have lost a little bit of the dream sequences, maybe. Um, you know, I didn't need Ghost Allison either, to be really honest. No. <laughs> and like, who's, and honestly, let's be really honest. Who in college is dating for a year and they haven't had sex yet? But she's bathing like, with the door open. Right? Which means a level of intimacy. So right. maybe their intimacy extends far beyond the physical. What if she goes to the bathroom with the door open, too? Oh, that's just a line you don't cross. What if that's their level of intimacy? They're, like, into that, but they haven't touched each other in, the, like, the bathing that's, suit parts. 
then I've got a lot of questions. Yeah. And, you know, maybe she had it coming then. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is harsh. Well, you know, you, sometimes you get what you deserve. <laughs> I don't know much about her either. Was she in other stuff? Uh, good question. Um, I was kind of, I, I was poking around with some things because of course, you know, obviously Heather Langenkamp quickly, briefly pops up right. early on, uh, as a victim, like, you know, blink and you missed it. Um, I will say that I was really surprised because I did not realize that I, I knew Craven's daughter was the girl in the shop at the beginning right. when they're sort of talking and he's at the concession stand. I did not realize that she was the bitchy nurse in new nightmare. Yeah. 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 So I was like, yes, thank you. Um, so that was like, because that's her picture on IMDb. Well, according to IMDb, Camille Cooper's started Hold Your Horses over 12 films and television series. <laughs> a lot of TV. She's in Like Father, Like Son with Kirk Cameron and Dudley Moore. She's in Meet the Applegates, directed by Michael Lehman, who made Heathers, to bring it back to Heathers. And oh her, my god, I forgot she was in Meet the Applegates. Which I I, I've never seen Meet the Applegates, yeah. Her last credit it's, is uh, Lawnmower Lawn Man, Man 2, 2, Beyond Ooh, Cyberspace. That's, that's enough to do it. That's that's enough to do it. Haven't seen um, Lawnmower oh, Man 2. Oh, she was in the 2. Werewolf TV series. I loved that show so much, and uh, need to like revisit it. But Shout Factory was going to put it out a couple years ago, and then at the last minute, I think Music Rights stopped them. There is, I think, a French uh, DVD set, but I don't own it. But I need to somehow get my hands on it because I loved that show. That was like an early if you Fox get that, show. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I love that. If you get it, you need to let me know because, like, between that and Forever Nights, like, those are like sort of my two TV shows that I totally loved. Yeah. That like kind of just disappeared. Yeah. Because like, give me a TV show about werewolves. Give me a TV show about vampires. Yes, great, love it. And love it was it. like an amazing really werewolf access- too. The werewolf was so good. Oh yeah, I wonder who worked on that show. Jeez, now I'm uh, now I'm going down even a further uh, uh, <laughs> a werewolf hole. hole it's here. called werewolf hole. Yes, oh, that sounds dirty. <laughs> sounds really dirty. It's the name of my werewolf porn that I watch. Uh, werewolf hole. <laughs> it's called werewolf holes. Uh, it's called oh, full full well, moons and werewolf holes. Oh, nice. Uh, that's that's like the perfect name um, for for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Greg Cannon who did the werewolf, so that makes perfect sense. Okay. Why it looks so good. That that totally makes sense. By the way, speaking of good names, I really love the name of the title of the article. When they, like, a newspaper gives credence to some kid saying how he dreamt about the murders. Like, that's a news story in a newspaper. Like, on the front page where they're like, this guy dreamt about it. We're going to make this a news item, which I thought was really funny because, like, who does that? But I like that the name of the article is, if dreams could kill. (laughs) Like, that's such a, like, a a really fun title. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. That's in my notes. Oh, okay. You have notes. That's good. Um, We could talk about some of the other weird cameos, like Kane Roberts, the Alice Cooper guitarist who shows up as a construction worker who launches the magical heart necklace into a lake that then we have to spend 10 Love minutes uh, recovering because it's the key to stopping Horace Pinker. Um, <laughs> like multiple times we have to deal with this necklace. This and then fucking necklace. And with it on. Right. And then just hands it to him. Like there's this whole thing about he needs to get into the lake and he needs to get the necklace there. And she just swims up and she's like, here you go. She can talk to him. She can talk to Horace Pinker. She has magical dream powers. None of it makes sense. <laughs> Nothing makes sense in these uh, Horace Pinker times. It's so funny because when the when the movie was out, um, I didn't see it. I didn't see it till video, like you. And based on like the TV spots and probably the music video for No More Mister Nice Guy, I really thought it was about a killer who travels through the TV because that's what they used for the hook of the marketing. Like this guy jumps yes. through TVs. So I thought that's what the movie was about. And for years, even after I saw it. I would remember the movie as the last 30 minutes. And then every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, right. We have like 90 minutes to get through before it turns into he's going through the TVs, Uh, including all the like body leaping and all that bullshit. Um, Hey, hey, hey. I'm not even saying anything bad about it. It's just like pick one thing and stick with it because really 
the movie could end, not end, but like it could get where it's going in the prison cell when he's doing the spell in front of the TV. Like, why can't he just jump into the TV at that point? And then that's how he does that. And then we're chasing him down the rest of the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, why do we have to go yeah. through the execution? I mean, I, I get it. Like, we want to, we want him to be a guy who comes back from the dead, a la Freddy Krueger. But as I was watching it today, I was like, just have him jump into the TV and cut to the chase. Yeah, but then I guess it's like the question of like, well, if you're not watching your TV, then how is the guy a threat? But that isn't that what was moves closer to you, right? And isn't that part of you know because. I think we're being a little generous saying that Wes Craven is trying to say something about like pop culture. I think we're looking for meaning because it's Wes Craven and he's a guy who does tend to imbue stuff with meaning. If I was being generous, I would say like part of the point that he's making is everyone has a TV on all the time. So Horace has an unlimited number of doorways into the world. Um, yeah. And he could have worked with that, you know, because all the jumping around like that's that's an idea and it's the hidden and it's Jason Goes to Hell and it's Fallen. And I'm not saying he ripped those off because at least two of those movies came out after this one. Um, yeah. So if anything, they ripped off shock. Exactly. There's too much <laughs> shocker thievery going on in popular culture. Um, I just none of that stuff is actually saying anything. It's not really about anything. It's just a gimmick. Yeah. Um, I, what's interesting is I was kind of thinking about like where, like, so where does Shocker fit in in 1989? Do you know what I mean? Because we're we're at sort of the the end of this glorious run of horror, yeah, right? Yeah. And the the genre itself doesn't really know where it's heading in this in the new decade. And uh, what's interesting to me, one, I didn't even realize because you mentioned that we we made the horror show joke before. I didn't. I totally forgot that the horror show actually also came out in 1989. Um, so did I. Actually, I don't think I would have put that together. I thought it was a couple years later. Yeah. Because I thought, like, for some reason, it like sat around somewhere. But apparently, it did come out in 1989. So I was looking at like different 89 horror, and it's like it's you know we're we're in a rough spot. And I say this is somebody who's wearing her Halloween five tank top. Um, I'm wearing my Halloween but, four know. shirt. Oh, look at that. Yeah, look, look at, at us. That. You know what? Brian, Brian is wearing his Halloween too earlier. Um, <laughs> can you tell we're ready for October, kids? I guess so. Um, yes. Um, yeah, I got. A, uh, he got me a Cavity Colors tank top last year for Christmas. Very nice. Um, but so I'm looking at like where we are in 1989 horror. Because I know we did Class of 89 a few years ago. And I'm I'm looking at this and I'm like thinking like, you know, maybe Shocker isn't as bad as we're saying it is because it's like, I don't mean this is any disrespect, but like we've got like 976 Evil. We've yeah. got Amityville 4 going on. Yeah. We've got Chud 2. But the we've Chud got, got Yes, we've got The Fly 2, which actually I ended up liking a lot more than I remembered um, when we talked about that over at Corpse Club. We have the, there's know, a there's Jason a... Takes Manhattan. There's a Fly 2 shout-out in VHS 94. I felt. Uh, there is. I, I I agree with you. Okay. I kind of thought that, too. And it, I would have, oh, the only reason I thought that is because we just watched it recently. Yeah. If I hadn't rewatched it recently, I, it would have gone right over my head. It's the best moment um, in that segment, and it comes right out of Fly 2. Yes. So I agree with you. Um, but we also have, you know, if we're looking at the franchises. We've got Jason Takes Manhattan. Low uh, point Halloween for the Friday Five. series. Yes, we've got uh, Halloween 5. Low we've point for the, the series show. at that point. Horror Show, which is House 3. All right. We are at we are at Howling 5. Which I've never seen. A lot of 5s going on. Yeah. And Nightmare 5. Nightmare 5. Sleepaway Camp 3. Yes. Stepfather um, 2. But in Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Yeah. Um, it's, it's at Toxic Avenger 2 and 3. 2 and 3 in the same year, because trauma is yes. nothing if not proficient. Yes, they sure are. Um, so it's a really interesting year. I mean, it, and I was sort of focusing on like the the more like serialized stuff because, like, of course, there's like awesome things like Society and uh, Puppet Master comes out that year, Pet Cemetery, 
Um, you know, so there's there's some bright spots. I mean, I you know, even parents is is interesting. Yeah. Um, which I'd never seen until the last couple of years, and I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. Um, I'd actually never watched it until last year, but Paganini Horror actually was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's for me. a wild movie. It really is, and I loved it. <laughs> um, That's one so that, that Daria was... Nicolodi wrote. I know. We talked about it uh, for our Daria Nicolodi oh, episode right, right, right. of Corpse Club. Right. So I'd never seen it until that moment, and that was pretty fun. So, you know, it's it's a rough going um, in 89 horror, because I don't, I don't feel like you're seeing anything super innovative, because you're getting a lot of sequels, a lot of pretty rough original movies, um, you know, although you get I, Madman, which is uh, genuinely a great movie. Yes, it is. Um, but for, you know, every I, Madman, then you're getting... Um, Oh God! I just saw it and I was like, "Oh boy, that's something." Um, oh gosh! I'm not going to screw up my own joke. <laughs> um, things, things. Oh, came things! Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things was '89. So honestly, like, look, Shocker may not be one of Wes Craven's best, but it's not Things. True. So it has that going for it. Yeah. Um, the only other master of horror to release a movie this year, I think was Toby Hooper who put out spontaneous combustion, which I would say is pretty comparable to shocker in terms of like lots of ideas, too messy, doesn't totally work. Interesting. Could watch it anytime. You know, and I've never seen it. So that, that makes me curious. Do you feel like maybe a lot of these guys who've been in it throughout this whole decade, were just feeling a little like frazzled well because even like i mean well no i guess that doesn't really make sense because like i was gonna point to steve minor but i was like because i thought he did something else but no he did warlock in 89 which kind of rules by the way warlock is pretty awesome i was kind of surprised because i remember a few years ago when they had julian sands at flashback and i was like well i should rewatch warlock just in case um i get to do that panel and then i was like all right let's see how it goes and i was like oh my god this movie's awesome yeah it's um, so really that was good. kind of a surprise yeah so that doesn't even work for my thesis um <laughs> but you, you do have you know you have a lot of guys who've been working in the industry for throughout the entire 80s and you, you know i maybe a lot of them were just sort of feeling burned out and wondering just what on earth they were going to do next Yeah, um, I was drinking. A, I was Were you drinking taking out, of your, a, out of your Abe's Snake water bottle? Taking a drink of. It's actually, I keep soup in there. I was drinking some soup. <laughs> I often just sit around and drink soup. <laughs> so refreshing. Well, it's a warm Chicago night, you know, nothing like a bit of soup in my Abe's Snake water bottle. <laughs> to keep you going. <laughs> it's more of a broth, really, but... Uh, where are we going with this? Um, yeah, it's, you know, with, with Toby Hooper, it's like any movie that gets made is a miracle because he was always struggling to get his stuff made. With Shocker, yeah. it's a little more cynical. Not that Wes Craven didn't struggle to get things made, but like... This, he was still Wes Craven. He was still Wes Craven, and this is a pretty Craven attempt at 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 that was a that was a pinker the stinker right there i'm a a kind of a stinker too i don't know if you know that about me (laughs) um at at launching a franchise you know like he had seen what happened with nightmare on elm street he came back to work on nightmare on elm street 3 by the way the guy that pulls the switch uh to electrocute pinker the stinker is bruce wagner west craven's co-writer on nightmare on elm street 3 Oh, interesting. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, this movie's chock full of little Wes Craven cameos, which makes it fun. I mean, we didn't even it talk does. about Timothy Leary at all. Like, what the hell is he I know, doing right? in this he movie? I know, right? He plays like a televangelist, which was like, and as a kid, that, that just flew right over Oh, of course. You would have no idea who Timothy Leary is. I mean, I was I was doing a lot of LSD when I was a kid, so, you know, it, it feels like I should have known. <laughs> I should have been more aware, but that might have been the LSD, because... You know, sure. when you're like 10 and 11 and doing hard drugs, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it takes its toll. Look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a crazy movie. <laughs> like, as we sit here and talk about it, I'm just like, this movie is nuts. 
but I don't know if any of it really like coheres, you know? Yeah, but I don't even think it necessarily doesn't either. Like in some ways, it just kind of makes sense at the end where you're like, sure, why not? <laughs> sure. Because it's like, it's, you know what I mean? Like where you're just kind of like, yeah, of course. Why yeah. not? You know, why not? The, um, um, also, the... I never, oh, I didn't ahead. realize that Brent Spiner was on uh, a talk show in the in this. Oh, I didn't either. I didn't realize it until I was looking at IMDb last night. And I was like, wait, what? And I was like, well, I don't have another two hours to go watch this again. But no. that was interesting to me. Uh, I didn't realize that. So The death of Allison happening when it does, because everything in this movie happens at a weird time, um, is genuinely surprising. And like, I feel like every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, holy shit. Um, because you just don't usually see that. I mean, again, it does happen in Nightmare on Elm Street, right? With Glenn getting sucked into the bed, although it happens much later in the movie. Um, but there's like some foreshadowing to that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and we, I mean, we know that essentially Horace has put together who this kid is and he's, he, you get the sense he's in, he's got his call to action and he's going to go do something about it. But it is still like a genuinely sort of like, oh, it would be a shocking moment, if you will. <laughs> Wow, she died. That's a bit of a shocker. It is. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a little shocker. fun story. We're led like if lambs had... to the slaughter. Shocker. <laughs> shocker. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, I, I will share some fun behind the scenes things with it. Um, that apparently it's because of shocker that Heather Langenkamp met her husband, David Leroy Anderson. Oh, very nice. Who may or may not might have said nice things about my book this week on Twitter. That's right. Which I was not expecting and totally made me cry. Um, I That wasn't like I asked David to have Heather do that or anything. I didn't even know that, like, I knew David had read the chapter because I'd sent it to him. Um, I'd actually sent him to the week of the week of Father's Day in 2019. Oh my gosh! And he actually sent me an email back and said it was the greatest Father's Day gift he could have ever been given. That's amazing. And the con- yeah, and there's like there's a context to that. So when you read his chapter, you'll understand why. Um, so I wasn't expecting it, and Heather was like, "I learned so many things about my own husband, which I didn't know." But the, it was at the rap party for Shocker that Heather and David first met, and I believe it was Marianne Madalena, the producer on the movie, that introduced them. Wow. So had Heather not done a little cameo in the movie, they may not have ever met. We That's may not right. have had a new nightmare, you know. Her husband wouldn't have died horribly in that car accident. He he does make a joke when we were talking about that, um, that he does not like REM, so he was a little upset that he, <laughs> that he was listening his, to REM. Essentially like a character of like his of proxy, him right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like I would he's like I wasn't listening to REM. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's listening to the so. Dudes of Wrath. Yeah, exactly. Who isn't? <laughs> this guy is, I'll tell you that. I miss the day of supergroups, so I will say that. Damn Yankees. Like, we had a couple of... Yeah, oh God, did I love the damn Yankees. Oh my <laughs> God. Are you kidding me? Can't take me high enough, Patrick. No, I know. Oh my God. Oh boy. Like, but I, uh, I implore I, you I... to name another damn Yankees song. <laughs> I can't. Oh, you know what? It was there. was they had two songs. They had another had hit. The, they had two. Um, it was it was the follow up to High Enough. Um, it was Where You Going Now. Uh, I had to look that up on on uh, Wikipedia, but I could remember sort of the sort of the the. the I'm not going to sing or anything because that's okay. terrible. So I, I'll hum it. So I could I remembered sort of the melody of it, but I I couldn't remember the name of it for save my life if like i was in a life or death situation and they were like sing the lyrics to that the second damn yankee song i'd been like just kill me now you know just just take me now um you know who 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 didn't love tommy shaw uh yeah no i'm i'm on board with everybody but ted nugent oh yeah he's a jerk he used to bring uh his buffalo to house of blues like a real live buffalo and would let the thing walk around all the time and it would shit everywhere and then leave it for people at House of Blues to clean up. And then he got banned for like two years from House of Blues in Chicago. Huh. Yeah. He was a swell fella. Sure. No, he's a great guy. I love yeah. every time and he pops up. I his, yeah. And that was even before I knew his politics, really. Right. So, you know. 
anyway, yeah, damn Yankees, man. <laughs> that took me back. Not on the Shocker soundtrack, sadly. But they were formed in 1989. Well, though. there you go. <laughs> So everything like comes back to the year nineteen eighty nine was the year, yeah. It was. By the way, they said on Wikipedia that the years active were eighty nine to ninety six. I believe that. Ninety eight to two thousand one, I find that suspect. And then two thousand four to two thousand ten, I call bullshit. <laughs> well, they might have been playing like state fairs and stuff. Maybe. But hmm, I don't know. I don't know. So, but anyway, shocker. Shocker, yeah. Um, is there any? Uh, is there any Wes Craven? I, I, I want to like. I feel like when we get to the end of this, we need to rank everything. But I'm wondering, like, where this ranks for you in his filmography right now, in terms of the movies that we've covered so far. Like, I'm guessing you put it above oh. Hills Have Eyes Part Two. I don't know. They have a really good dog. <laughs> um, so yeah, comparative to where we've seen now, you know, obviously, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street is, is one. Yes. Shocker is Serpent two. The... <laughs> no, Serpent in the Rainbow would be two. Okay. As of where we're at at this moment, um, probably Hills Have Eyes has, is third. Okay. I think that's where we're at. Although I really liked... Uh, Oh uh, gosh, I'm now I'm, I'm trying to invitation to hell. The... Yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> um, although, wait, I'm sorry, I totally forgot about the fireworks one. Where oh right, right. Um, I, I, you know, I think in where we're at right now, I mean, it's probably top five. Okay. Like it has a sort of rewatchability factor to it. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, Summer of Fear is really fun, and Invitation to Hell is really fun. Um, we, I mean, Chiller's definitely not going in there. Chiller sure. is underneath Shocker, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's definitely top five as, in terms of where we're at at this point. All right. I like it. And where's it rank for you? Number one? Um, it may not be top five for me, but it's probably top ten. <laughs> I mean, we're only on episode 12, so that's not saying a lot, say, but there are movies that I would rank below it, so. Okay. Yeah. But what, like, I mean, I would I would understand rank, ranking Hills Have Eyes before it, probably. I think only because I just, Last House on the Left for me is just so much. Well, that's the thing. It's like, what are we, what are, how are we qualifying it? You know, like, Hills Have Eyes, I'm sorry, Last House on the Left, better movie shocker movie i would rather watch yeah that's i guess like from a critical standpoint it would definitely be a little bit lower right if i'm looking at like right the artistic values of it as a fan then it's top five okay that makes sense if that makes sense you know what i mean like because yeah. there's sometimes like and I, you know i say this in reviews too like sometimes i'll, I'll come at a movie simply from a pan's perspective and sometimes i'll just look at things with a little more of like a critical lens um, and this isn't a movie that I use a, a very keen critical lens on because it's shocker, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> it's finger looking good factor. It is Volkswagen. Yes. By the way, I totally, I totally forgot that, uh, Peter Berg had directed very bad things, which is a good movie. I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that movie. Oh, I I was so angry at that movie, but I will say he did direct the rundown. He and did, Friday yeah. Night Lights. Those are both good so movies. I can't really hate him too much. Yeah. But I do want to punch him in the face. Understandable. Yes, but he did give us the rundown, which was sort of The Rock's real sort of breakout success in right. Hollywood. Right. Yeah. Right. It was and not the Scorpion the King, sense. is what you're saying. I mean, Scorpion King to a degree, but that sort of had a built-in audience. Do you know what I mean? Because people were sort of coming over Fans from the of Scorpions to see that. Oh, right. Yes. The, the band of Scorpions as well. The Winds of Change. Um, yes. The, the Rock brought the, wing, the Winds of Change to Hollywood <laughs> with the Scorpion King. Um, but I, I love the rundown because it's like the cast is perfect. It's fun, yeah. 
I love Sean William Scott, and I feel like he was one of the more underrated people that sort of come out of the 2000s. Well, he kind of got typecast always doing the same thing. He did. Did you see his serial killer movie that he did a few years ago? I remember it existing, but no, I didn't see it. It's pretty good. It, yeah. it was way better than I was expecting. It's, it was a little bit of a surprise. It was a shocker, if you will. Oh, nicely done. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, these days I don't care much for Peter Berg's output. But No, I don't think I do either. But he was kind of interesting for a while there. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, if he was doing more rundowns these days, I'd be... I'd be keen. Even if even if he give me a Mark Wahlberg in a in a rundown type right. movie, I'd probably go see that. Didn't he? But, though? Didn't he direct like Spencer Confidential? Isn't that his attempt at like a another rundown? I didn't watch it. It's okay. on Netflix, but I didn't watch it. Did, he directed that. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I didn't I see didn't it. See I can't. It. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Look, I paid to see Battleship and IMAX, so I did my part. Good for you. It was the biggest waste of money of 2012 for me, buddy. I'll tell you what. There are people that love that movie. Yes. But speaking of Friday Night Lights, the only reason I went, I was like really excited about it was because it had Skarsgård from True Blood, um, but Taylor Kitsch, who was on the Friday Night Lights uh, TV show. Right. You know, and then they tried to hoist Rihanna on us, which she wasn't even the worst part of the movie, so I can't even fault her. No. And I feel like that's where his sort of like military jingoism all started, like started, around 2012 yeah. there. Anyway, yeah, we're off base. What? I know. Sorry. And really quick, though, I actually I just remembered he did The Losers, which I don't remember disliking. He did that one? Yeah. Oh, wait, no, he wrote it. Sorry. Oh, OK. Sorry. He just wrote that one. OK. But I remember because I, I saw it pop up on his Wikipedia and I was like, oh. I kind of remember liking that movie, but then I just saw that he only wrote it. So got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's it for us talking about Shocker, everybody. Uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at Craven Craven Pod. We hardly ever tweet. Uh, we should get better at that. We should. Hashtag Pinker the Stinker. <laughs> Somebody get that trending, please. Yes, let's get hashtag Pinker the Stinker. And then we'll be back next month with the people under the stairs, right? I'm excited for that one. Yes. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I we're really getting into like the the meat of, of some really like just sort of really fun wave. And look, I know when we get to Vampire in Brooklyn, I'm probably gonna be living on that island by myself and I don't even care. But I'm ready for it. I'm excited I'm, to revisit I'm, it. I haven't seen it in many, many years, so who knows how I'm gonna feel about it. Who knows? But I'm excited to, to hear your thoughts. So, And we'll get working on our Pinker the Stinker merch real soon. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks for listening, yes. everybody. Thanks, Heather. Thank you.